The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the POD cast, the pride of Detroit podcast is back. We're live for another week, another full edition after our mini uh, emergency podcast about the schedule earlier in the week. Um, We also had, if you were on our Twitch page, we had a movie night on Friday night. And thank you to everyone who joined us, including the director of the film. Uh, uh, I forgot his name. I was about to say it and I forgot his name and I have it written down and now I'm stalling and I can't remember it and forget it. I don't have it with me. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is how we're starting. This is how organized we are today because guess what? Not a lot of news anymore. Uh, (laughs) the schedule came out and we have just a pasture of nothing ahead of us. So this week we are going to do almost the entire episode about the mailbag. Uh, we asked for your questions for the last two, three days. We're going to answer everything from, you know, free agency coming up to more schedule questions to coronavirus stuff and, and all sorts of things in between there. Um, before I get to all that, though, let me introduce myself. I'm the clearly unprepared host, uh, Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit as well. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, is Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. That's at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. Shout out Michael Vanderpool. Thank you. <laughs> I'm bad with names. My apologies, Michael Vanderpool, if you're watching. Uh, you you were great. Um, we had a great interview before and after the the movie night. Uh, if if you didn't catch it, we watched a Lions documentary called Heart of a Lions Fan. It was great. It was a uh, it was kind of an interesting uh, road down memory lane um, where where Lions fans kind of talked about all the heartbreaking moments. Um, and and the, the basis of the film is whether uh, it's ethical to raise your son or, or daughter as a, as a Lions fan. Um, but go back, uh, watch that on Amazon Prime. It's available. This isn't an ad, but we like Michael Vanderpool. I love the movie. So free, free plug. But anyways, let's get to this week's episode. Before we jump right into the mailbag, I want to talk about a couple of mini news items. Um, there wasn't a ton last week, but uh, Matt Patricia did speak to reporters in a Zoom conference. And I think the most interesting thing to come out of that was what he said about Jared Davis. And I think uh, the main question is here is whether you believe him or not, but he called Jared Davis the cornerstone cornerstone of what we're trying to do. And he said he's kind of 
you know, part of their long-term plans potentially. Um, so I'm just going to ask you straight up, Ryan, do you believe him? Matt Patricia has been spending too much time with his snake oil salesman of a friend, Bob Quinn. <laughs> how That's can right, you say he had the same kind of quote about him, right? Yeah. How can you say that this guy is the cornerstone of a franchise if you're not going to pick up his fifth year option? Okay. Like, I mean, this is, it, it just seems like a lot of, it seems a lot of, a, a lot of just PR fluff. It seems like a way to say that Jared Davis is still our guy when in all reality, he might not be their guy a few weeks into the season. I think his, I think his role on this team is completely up for grabs. Um, I think that the lions have drafted linebackers. They have other contingency plans in place. That's why they didn't pick up the fifth year option on him because he just doesn't seem to fit this defense for whatever reason. So I find it really strange that Matt Patricia would want to double down and say something like he's the cornerstone of a franchise when everything else they've done has so clearly shown and his play within this scheme has shown that he's not the cornerstone of this defense whatsoever. It's really kind of hard to parse for me because obviously no coach is going to go and throw his guy under, under the bus before season starts. Obviously there is a little bit of BS being thrown out here, but the amount of praise that this coaching staff has from the minute he was drafted on the amount of praise they've thrown on this guy seems a little out of the ordinary for me. Like it's not just a typical, like, yeah, we support our guys type of thing. They're going above and beyond with their praise with of this guy. Like, let me, let me pull some of the quotes called him a rock solid leader and everything you want in a program type of guy, a great kid. Awesome. One of the strongest leaders on our defense. He's a great player and someone we continue to build around. Like, I mean, I, I know a lot of that is just is talk, but like, it's consistent. It's completely unwavering. He never says a single, like even just like a, a baseline. Yeah. You know, he needs to get better, but he, we, we like what he's doing. It's he's awesome. He's great. He's everything we want him to be. He's part of this program. He's, he's integral. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like there is this general love that they have for this guy and, and, and still a belief that he's going to turn it around. Actions speak louder than words though, Jeremy. And I truly, I, I, I truly believe that you can say all of those things and you can do another thing. And that's what they did when they decided not to pick up the fifth year option. You can say all the nice things you want about Jared Davis. And I believe a lot of them, like from being in the locker room, his rookie season and seeing the way that he handled himself as a rookie to the way that the coaching staff, like you said, just, you know, heaps all this praise on him it seems really it seems really interesting that they would choose to do something like not pick up his fifth year option because i think that that says more than anything that they've said on a mic you you're not wrong about that i do i do believe action speak out louder than words but i think my point is that i do think they think he's going to turn it around i do think they believe that he's still got it in him to turn it around i i'm sure they'll behind the scenes they would tell you yeah he hasn't played up to our expectations he needs to be better but I think they think it's going to happen. I think they think maybe now that they got Jamie Collins, a veteran guy that can kind of be there with him, um, maybe limit his role to something that, that suits his strengths a little more. I think they still believe in Jared Davis. They just need to be sure before they give him 10 million guaranteed. Okay. Another fair point. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other piece of news, and this is more of a, like, 
it's almost like an around the horn piece of news. It's not an actual piece of news. Nothing happened necessarily, but uh, Kenny Galladay was named a top 10 wide receiver by pro football network. Uh, the author of that article is Brad Kelly. Uh, he placed 10th on the list. And I know later in the, in the year, we're going to have our list casts, but a little preview here is Kenny Galladay going to be on your top 10 list. He's I think he was slotted on that list right where he would be on my list. If I were to make it today, either yeah. he would be an honorable mention or he would be number 10. Um, I can't see him being much higher than that. There are just so many other receivers in the league that do that do some things that you really want out of a modern NFL receiver that see. And because remember like the list cast is always about like which players work best in a vacuum and it's not right. about like their situation or their success. So like when when I look at Kenny Galladay as a receiver, like, yes, he's physically imposing. He's big. He attacks the ball at the, you know, the point of the catch, but there's just some things that he doesn't do so well that other receivers in other offenses would really, would really thrive where Kenny Galladay seems like he's more of like a scheme fit guy. I'm not saying that Kenny Galladay is strictly like scheme, you know, reliant upon being successful, but, uh, yeah, I think there's just other guys in the league that do things better than him. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. And I, I, I'm not there yet. I haven't, I haven't started formulating my list or anything, but I don't think he's going to be on it. And listen, his production has been undeniable. If, if we go purely by stats in the past couple of years, he's a top 10 receiver by stats. But, but like you said, I think if we're like, if we're just evaluating him like we would evaluate a draft prospect. He just he, some yeah. physical tools he he doesn't have. Um, he, he doesn't have a great route running tree. He doesn't um, have a ton of speed where he can break away from a lot of people. Um, he is physically imposing, like you said. We we've seen him throw some nasty stiff arms. Ha ha! Clinton Dix uh, is a great <laughs> example, um, and he's one of the best contested catchers in the league. But I wouldn't I wouldn't even go as far to say he has the best hands in the league. I mean, I think there are people that make more amazing catches than he does. It's just he's reliable. Um, Mm-hmm. And and I think that's his best aspect. And that's not a bad thing to be a reliable catcher is, is a great thing. But I think if you pull Kenny Galladay out of Matthew Stafford's hands and put him into like an average quarterback or a below average quarterback, I think his production gets cut drastically because, because Matthew Stafford can put it in places where, I mean, he's, he's pretty much always in tight coverage. So he needs a perfect ball or a ball that's somewhat close, at least gives him an opportunity to catch the ball. And um, Stafford is a perfect quarterback for that. He, he's got the, the velocity he's got the accuracy um he's got the touch now um i just question whether kenny galladay you know like we say in this vacuum is he a top 10 quarterback or wide receiver i'm not too sure i still need a little bit more out of him i still need to see his game grow a little bit where he can kind of stretch the route tree a little bit better and 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 win with his feet more so than his hands um we still haven't seen that and he's young i mean this is what season four he's coming up on that stuff still has opportunity to grow um you know, with, with a whole new cast of offensive coaches as well. Maybe, maybe that helps. Um, but, but yeah, I'm not quite there with Kenny Galladay. I, I, I think he's close. I think he's probably top 15. I'm not sure I would slot him in top 10 yet. Yeah. I think the interesting litmus test is that if you look at his eight games after Stafford went down last season, 54 targets, 30 receptions, 550 yards and four touchdowns. So the touchdowns were there, um, but not, I mean, 30 receptions over eight games isn't necessarily a a whole lot. So, um, I mean, make the debate about whether or not David Blau and Jeff Driscoll are replacement level quarterbacks, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And JJ who hewed in our, in our 
uh, Twitch chat says, let's let's not call him a top 10 corner wide receiver until he gets his new contract. That way we don't have to pay him that much. That's another good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's spread it out there, everybody. He's he's not a top 10 quarterback. He's wide close. Receiver. Why he's, do I keep saying that? I don't know. I don't know. He's I'm, close, but he's not there yet. He's yeah. not quite there yet. He's close. All and right. then once he uh, signs his contract, he's top 10. Yes. Yeah, so the second he signs it, it's like, oh, yeah, he's at least top five. No question. <laughs> at least. <laughs> all right. And with that, that's that's all of the news. We're done with the news section and maybe for the next couple of weeks, if we're being honest. So it's now time for the mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. News here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, mailbag. Hashtag SPOD anytime you have any questions for us. Throw them on Twitter. Throw them in our designated SPOD post on Pride of Detroit. Hell, join us live on Twitch and you can ask questions live right now while we're recording. Um, first, this first one might take us the entire rest of the first segment. And I'm okay with that because it's fun. We're going to do a little Detroit Lions superlatives thanks to at play to win the game on Twitter anonymous lions fan uh, and i think this was kind of going around twitter on monday uh as a you know little meme thing so we're gonna go superlatives for the lions roster right now starting first with who is the most overrated detroit lion on the roster right now oh the most overrated detroit lion on the roster right now i would have to say i'm gonna i'm this isn't going to be very popular, Uh-oh. but I'm going to say, I'm going to say Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Is this just an effort to drive down his price? No, I mean, let's do it. I mean, if we're going to go, we're going to go all the way, but I, I, I just don't think he's a top 10 receiver. I think that with the way that lions fans treat him though, they, it's really that kind of like Detroit versus everybody mentality. So I think that it's the fact that he's the best receiver on the Lions team. I totally agree with you in your summation that Matthew Stafford doesn't make Kenny Galladay, but he definitely definitely makes life on him a little bit easier um, with the way that he can fit balls into tight windows. So I'm going to say Kenny, Gall- Kenny Galladay is the most overrated Lions player. That's no, na- that's no knock on Kenny Galladay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's Twitter's fault. Yeah. It, it it all started with it's Babytron's fault. You know, whoever started that thing. Oh, geez, yeah. This is a tough question because I feel like the answer is very different. If you talk locally versus nationally, because like I see people in the chat saying Jared Davis, Jared Davis is certainly not overrated by Lions fans, but he might be overrated yeah. by national standards. I mean, we heard coach after coach call him one of the best linebackers in the league last year. And, you know, right. the, the senior bowl guy, Jim Nagy, I think his name is, thinks he's still one of the best young linebackers in the league. Um, you know, nationally, I would say Jared Davis. Yes. Is overrated. Locally, absolutely not. Um, I think my answer, I, I kind of want to go somewhere on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, I kind of want to call Deshaun Hand a little overrated right now. He he had one good half a season and everyone's like, he's, he's going to be great. Like when he's healthy, he's, he's going to kick ass again. I'm like, okay, first of all, it's important to make a year one to year two jump. Like there's tape on Deshaun Hand now and we're not sure if he's good still. <laughs> we're, we're really not. I mean, I... I've seen him play and when he's been healthy and good, he's been good, but he's still incredibly young and, and the trajectory of a player is not always up. And right now I think 
we need to still kind of pump the brakes on, on the Deshaun hand praise. Uh, we need, we need to see him go out there and, and play well for a string of games. And, and yeah, there are plenty of people right now that are questioning his long-term status with the team um, because of the injuries. But I mean, I'm talking outside the injuries. Like if, if, if he's healthy, I'm not entirely certain this is like an above average elite starter type. I mean, that's what the lines are hoping for. And I know they like the guy a lot, but the jury's still out on him. And so that's why I think he's, he's maybe a little overrated right now. Yeah. Yeah. All fair points. All right, let's go underrated. Who's the most underrated Detroit line. See, this one I think is a more interesting question. And I think, I I think what's interesting too, is what you mentioned about whether or not it's going to be something nationally or locally. So I'm going to say the most underrated player on the Lions roster is in fact, Amani Arariye. I think that he's... I almost did a spit take. What? On a, on a national level. I don't think people are counting on him to like be as good as he's eventually going to be. And I don't know if it's going to be this season necessarily, but like he's eventually going to take a leap and he's going to be a starting cornerback in the NFL. Wow. I, yeah. I'm not ready at all to admit that. I guess I'm underrating him. Well, it, well, maybe then I need to take this locally too, but there's no way. Locally, everybody thinks Amani Warrior is going to be. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I, there are definitely a lot of people that think that simply because his draft stock was considered to be in the second or third round and he got taken in the fifth. Um, but no, yeah, I feel baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I'm comfortable with him as the third quarterback, the, the cornerback, the, 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 the backup, the first backup, but calling him a, an eventual starter, I think is putting the cart before the horse a little bit. We'll see though. Maybe, maybe you're right. And then we'll come back to this podcast and make me look like an idiot. Hey, Won't be that I, hard to do that. <laughs> this is what happens when forever I'm teased as being the person who can't make a single bold prediction. <laughs> true. Um, a lot of people are saying Matthew Stafford in the chat. And I would say locally, that's true. I think there are way too many people that still hate on the guy, but I think my answer is a couple of people also answered it uh, is Tracy Walker. I think, uh, I think Tracy Walker is, is, is a Supreme talent. I think he's going to be a name that everyone in the NFL is going to know in two years. They don't now, but I think in two years, that guy is going to be maybe even a perennial pro bowler. Oh, okay. That would be good for the lions. So I would root for that. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, best player. Three words, John Matthew Stafford. Yeah, we're, we're in agreement there. We're just going to move on to the next one. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> who's the, the, the key new addition? Yeah, I think you can make a lot of interesting cases. I think you can make a lot of compelling cases for the following players like Jamie Collins or mm-hmm. even Jeffrey Okuda. But I'm going to say Desmond Trufant. And I think that mm. Desmond Trufant is the is the key new addition because <clears throat> I think what the Lions want to do defensively really starts with their ability cover. to to cover. Yeah, their yeah. ability to cover. And I think that Desmond Trufant is going to be such a critical piece of that. He is their number one cornerback. I think he's going to prove that he's a number one corner because I I hate to always say that the almighty dollar is the great motivator, but a guy on a two year deal who might be seeking one last big deal, he's going to, he's going to come and he's going to ball out. So I think that he's the key new addition to the lions defense. 
it's interesting because if if what you say is true, like coverage is, is what this team was trying to improve the offseason, you could also make the argument for Duran Harmon, um, mm-hmm. which I think is is definitely one of the low key best moves that the Lions have made this offseason. He's not my answer though. Um, although I like Harmon also because he makes you know a guy like Tracy Walker a little more versatile, can move him all over the place. But another guy that that makes uh, everyone around him kind of move all over the place, makes him more multiple. As you mentioned, Jamie Collins, I think, is is the biggest move this team has made, most impactful move. I think it's going to improve everyone around him. I think it's going to improve having that veteran in the linebacker core that can teach these guys. We've got a lot of young guys in, in that linebacking core that could really use his guidance, including Julian O'Quara, you know, the new addition. Maybe he's an edge, maybe he's a, a linebacker, whatever. Um I think having Jamie Collins around to to teach those guys and not, I mean, also be able to play every linebacker position. So if he wants to be a Jack linebacker and rush the passer, if he can, he wants to be interior and rush the passer. He can, if he wants to drop back into coverage, he can do that too. Um, He just gives the line so much more options to be so more unpredictable when they have the same personnel out there, um, just moving them all around. And I think that's, that's the one thing that this defense has been missing since day one is the personnel that allows them to truly be multiple. Like they say they want to be Jamie Collins is I think the key to that. And I think we'll see it this year. That's a good answer. Um, Could surprise who's the line that could surprise this year. I'm going to say, I'm going to keep it with the linebackers. I'm going to say Jelani Devai. I think that he could surprise, I think he could surprise this year for a couple of reasons. One, I think we saw him as a rookie. We saw all of his athletic deficiencies. We saw him, you know, make some, make some questionable decisions mentally when it came to being a linebacker, but there was also a lot of good stuff too. So I think that getting a guy like Jamie Collins and getting another year with Matt Patricia being in this scheme, maybe he starts to fill, fill a more particular role, I think that he could be a guy who maybe takes a step in year two and really proves to be a a vital and important piece to the lions linebacking core. I like that answer. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe like going a little deeper on the roster of someone who's maybe even on the, the bubble that, that could make some noise. It's tough. I mean, Daryl Roberts, maybe, I mean, we, we talked mm-hmm. about Aruari being the the number one corner off the board, but Dale Roberts has more experience than him. So I think he makes a team. He also has some, some good special teams characteristics. So I think, I think he's not a, a roster lock necessarily, but I think he's one of those guys that like, if the lines are in a pinch um, health wise, I think he's a guy that could step in and be okay while also providing that extra special team. So he's, he's a guy that like, I would say, you know, fringe Lions fans might probably still won't know by the end of the year, but you know, the, the diehards, the guy that watch every week and, and follow every roster transaction. He's a guy that the, I think Lions fans may grow to appreciate by the end of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Um, takes a leap. So, okay. You kind of answered this one already with your last, but it, is there another player you think might take a big leap in, um, in 2020? Ooh. Um, can it be, can it be a rookie? Sure. I, I, kind of. I mean, it, it's kind of an odd answer, but go for it. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jonah Jackson. I think that him being the starting guard right from the jump, like I feel like that's as big of a leap as you can make from college to the NFL game immediately. Sure. I think that he's going to immediately improve that, that guard position. I'm, I'm going with chat here. TJ Hawkinson, it has to be. If, if yeah, Hawkinson I can't hope, make a I big jump so. in year two, the 
we're gonna get we're gonna get a strong strong Ebron vibes from from Lions fans. What what does a big leap for TJ Hawkinson look like? I think he has to have like seven hundred yards. Okay, like don't really care 10, about how at many least, catch, at least top ten production at his at his position. If not, you know, knocking on the door, top five. Like okay. I, I know, right. I know, tight end. It takes a while, and I know he's coming off a pretty serious injury. Um, but he he was the eighth overall pick. Like you need that first and second year production out of that pick. Otherwise, you're not getting the value of a top eight, top ten pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I don't doubt him at all. I don't doubt his talent. I don't doubt his desire. I don't doubt anything about him. But it just has to happen. It has to happen. So, um, and and it has to happen this year. So, that's my answer. Last superlative before we go into our break and answer more of your mailbag questions after that. Prove it year. Who is in a prove it year? It has to be the cornerstone of the franchise. <laughs> Taking it Jared all back. Davis. Yeah. Jared Davis. It's his prove it year. And um, I'm not going to take the other one that I think there, there's another answer, but I'm going to go Jared Davis. And I think that Jared Davis is in his prove it year because the team declined his fifth year option. Mm-hmm. He's so clearly a talented player, but maybe he's just miscast. And I, I am of the belief that he doesn't stick around in Detroit. I think he goes somewhere else. I think he's valuable. I think that he is somebody that a lot of other teams would target in free agency. So that's why this is kind of his prove it year. It's his contract year. So if he wants to, if he wants to keep his stock high amongst other teams, like this is going to be a season where he has to do that. Yeah. There, there are a lot of directions you can go with here. Some people saying carry on. I think that's a solid answer, but I, part of me also thinks there's, there's not a lot he can do at this point to, to prove himself. Yeah. yeah. That ship has sailed a, at least a little bit. I think, I think I'm going to go back to Deshaun hand. Um, I think this is kind of a prove it year for him. He's, he's entering one year three now and um, we haven't seen much since that rookie year. So um, if he can stay healthy, if he can, if he can make the leap that I'm not so sh- certain that he's going to make at this point, but, but hopeful um, then, then you enter year four with a lot of questions about whether he's going to be part of this future beyond 2021. So, um, yeah. And, and Davis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think Davis is a great answer too. Um, I do think, I do think the the coaching staff thinks he's, he's still got a chance. So he's got to prove him right this year or it's probably all over. I, I thought the one other possible answer you might want to go is Taylor Decker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that depends if they, I mean, if they give him a contract this off season, then it's not a prove a year, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess it really depends. Yeah. All right, that is our Detroit Lions superlative segment. When we come back, we're answering a lot more of your questions and we're going to get deep into this offseason. So stick around. We'll be right back with the POD cast mailbag edition. And we are back with the mailbag version of the POD cast two and a half segments of just mailbag questions in our service back to you. The, the very listener that, that you are um, let's okay. Now that the schedule's out, I think we're, we're getting a lot of questions about predictions and things like that. So let's start off with a very simple one. Jimmy Whitner asks, 
playoffs this year or nah? Nah, bro. I don't think nah. so. No. Yeah. Um, so if, if you did listen to our, our preview or predictions podcast or schedule, whatever podcast, we had what, eight and eight and seven and nine, respectively. Yeah. I was seven and eight nine. And eight. yeah. Uh, but, but let's, let's explain why. I just find that those two chunks of the schedule, <clears throat> the first four and the last four, I think that those are going to be so critically important. And I think that because the bye week is so early that those final four games are a real gauntlet. And I said in our, sure. uh, in the schedule release podcast, I talked about how there's a real distinct possibility that the team could go zero and four over those four games. And it wouldn't surprise me. So if the bye week is later, maybe that changes things to me, but just looking at the schedule as a whole, I just don't see a way that the Lions can come away with uh, with a playoff berth. Yeah. And while, while I'm with you on, on nah, I will, I will see it and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about why it could happen. Um, I think first and foremost is we have to remember how I, I don't want to say good or great. This team was last year with a, a, a healthy Matthew Stafford, but how competitive they were. They were, they were in 50, 50 games for pretty much all eight of the games that Matthew Stafford played, except for one. I think the, the Vikings won. He played out of his mind, but the defense was, was God awful. Um, and, you know, if, if those 50, 50 games, if Stafford stays healthy and let's say it's 16 games of 50, 50 games, well, then you think, well, that's at least an eight and eight. If, if the lines fall on the, the equal side of luck, that's an eight and eight season. Um, mm. I don't want to talk too much about the individual matchups and the individual teams, because let's be honest with ourselves. We don't know. We don't know what these teams are going to look like in 2020. We certainly don't know what they're going to look like the week that the Lions are facing them. Cause it could be very different. Maybe Tom Brady gets injured. Lions never have to face him. Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets injured. Maybe the, the bears trade for an actual quarterback. Who knows? Um, Who knows? But when I look at the schedulers and yes, it's fun to go game by game and say, well, they're going to win that one. No, they're going to lose that one. Um, question. The, the, the reality though is we don't know. And so I like to kind of just like, look at, I, I rather just kind of look at the team and, and see how competitive I think they are. I think they're as good of a roster as they are last year. I don't think they're significantly better. I don't think they're significantly worse. And um, so I think, I think an eight and eight record is, is not the baseline, but like, I think if you play this season, a hundred times you get an average about an eight, eight record. But that means also that if things bounce your way, 10 and six is certainly possible. 11 and five is certainly possible. So is six and 10 and and five and 11. Um, But -hmm. I think this team is competitive enough where they're basically in 50, 50 games every, every game this year. That's what I'm expecting. And sometimes the ball just bounces your way. Sometimes you get injury luck. Sometimes you don't get injury luck. Like last year, I would say the Lions had some pretty bad injury luck. this year, maybe it bounces in their favor and, and that's, you know, plus two wins. That's how they make the playoffs. In my opinion, I'm with it, but I also right. say no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of along the same lines, slick Rick, uh, on Twitter asks question of strength of schedule. I know most people go off of prior year's record and some go off of next year's projections. Example, ESPN has us at the bottom five, uh, or uh, f- sorry, five hardest schedules based on last year's, uh, uh, records and then lines are lines where I put an article saying we have one of the top 10 easiest based on Vegas projections. Which one do you value and why? 
I think I value the Vegas projections more because Vegas, A, they know what they're doing, baby. Two, <laughs> last year is last year. There's so many things that went into last year that aren't going to carry over to the next season, whether or not it is personnel, whether or not it is dumb luck, whether or not it's injuries. I guess you can consider that dumb luck too. Um, but turnover margins, things like that. Like, yes, those things are really hard to project. However, I don't think that you can really rely on data from a prior year to inform you about what's going to necessarily happen in the NFL the next season. That's like one of the traps that everybody falls into with fantasy football uh, specifically is that you, you decide you make your rankings and you build your board based on what everybody did last season. And it's not last season. It's, it's this season. So I think, I think that's why I tend to agree with more models that are projection based when it comes to strength of schedule at this point in the season. Yeah. Or and, season, I should say. and I think statistically speaking that that bears out as true, like projections from Vegas tend to be a lot more accurate than last year's um, data in terms of, of win loss. Um, but to me, I, d- I don't really value either. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't like, I, I think strength, you know, I think putting a number on strength of schedule right now is a fool's errand. I think it's silly. I think, I think it makes headlines. I kind of wrote a a tongue in cheek headline about it last week. I don't care. I don't care what your strength of schedule thing says. I care about things that actually matter and are actually measurable right now. So like miles traveled is something that's at least a little interesting to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Rest between games. That's interesting to me at at least compare. And like the rest that your opponents have um, between games, those sort of things are measurable right now. We they're, they're concrete. And, and do they have as big of an impact on the game as the strength of your opponent? Of course not, but they're a known commodity. We don't know the strength of the opponent right now. We like to pretend we do, but we don't. And so that those are really the only metrics that I'm paying attention to right now is just the hard evidence things that, that are actually there that are, that actually, you know, are, are quantifiable for certain right now. Whereas, you know, strength of opponent is just like anyone's guess. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right. Next bring, question. Bring back gambling. <laughs> Easy now. Um, Aaron Sturgill on Twitter asks, isn't the Lions 2019 baseline performance closer to seven to eight wins with a healthy Stafford? He went down before the later part of the schedule too. If we start with that baseline, making the playoffs doesn't seem impossible, right? I, I would agree. I don't think that making the playoffs is impossible. I think projecting on May, whenever we did that, when the schedule was, was released, doing projections in May, like you said, is a fool's errand. But for me to put them even at seven and nine means that they have a puncher's chance. Like you said, if a ball bounces a certain way, if the Lions don't get bitten by the injury bug in the way that they did last season by losing their starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean, those things are obviously subject to change. However, I think this goes back to your one point that you made, Jeremy, that I pretty much agree with. I don't think that the team got significantly worse at any position. I don't think it got significantly better at any one position either. Yeah. So with that being said, yeah, you're walking in with the same team and does that put you at seven or eight wins with Matthew, Matthew Stafford? I think it does. Yeah. And then one thing also to consider is like not too long ago, an eight, seven and one team won this division. And yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. this division certainly doesn't look as tough as it's looked in previous years. I don't think there's a clear team where you can be like, that's a Super Bowl contender. 
right now. Whereas I think in previous years, you could at least make, make the argument. So um, this could be a year that a nine and 17 wins the division. And if that's the case, then all the people predicting seven, nine and eight and eight are saying like, yeah, the Lions could potentially win the division. They, they right, might not be predicting it to happen. Yeah. You're right in the wheelhouse though. I think if you're in that area, like I, I think that that's totally reasonable. Sure. All right. Next question uh, comes from our, our pride Detroit comment section from I say, I'm winning. I'd be lying. <laughs> yes. Which game would be the biggest upset if the lions win? Oh, I'm going to say the biggest upset. Let me take a quick look at the lion's schedule again. I'm going to say their biggest upset that they can take is going to be week. I think it's going to be week 17 and beating the Vikings at home. That'd be a big one to win potentially. Yeah, I think that here's how I see the division playing itself out. Anyways, the bears are going to finish in last because they don't have a quarterback (laughs) and then you're going to have Packers and lions kind of vying for that, like second, third, but maybe even first. But I think the Vikings are really Vikings are going to finish, I think either first or second. So I think that that week, it could come down to maybe lions Vikings for the division or lions Vikings for a wild card spot. And if that's the case is Vegas going to, are they going to make the lions the favorites in that game? I don't know. I don't think so. Why would you say that instead of Minnesota, just because the stakes have potential to be big and and the lions crumble Mm -hmm. in those situations. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. (laughs) So that would be a huge upset. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anticipating that at all whatsoever. I think another I think another big statement game too would be week two against the Packers on the road. That, and that's what I was gonna say, especially coming off a division game in week one. Like I mean, yeah, we, we can say can, whether whether these games are actually gonna whether these games are actually gonna happen or not, but like back to back division games to start the year is is rough. Like games against the Bears have gone rough for the Lions in terms of both, you know, the actual result as of late and like it always seems like someone gets beat up in a in a in a Bears game. It always mm-hmm. seems like someone gets injured and I'm not, I'm not predicting someone to get injured, but that's a good deal. Like that's still a really good defense and, and a team that'll pop you in the mouth. And if the lions, you know, if it's short and off season, maybe they're not coming in fully in, in shape or prepared coming off of that game's not going to be easy. That's all I'm saying. And to do it, to go to Lambo right off the bat, that's a tough ask. That's a tough ask mm-hmm. for a tough mm-hmm. physical game against the Bears. So that to me would be the biggest upset uh, as, uh, and the schedule as I'm looking at it now. Um, Tyler Bustador asks, if you could go back in time and watch any Lions game in person, what game would it be and why? Oh, if I could watch any Lions game in person, you know what? I'm going to actually borrow an answer that I got from the Heart of the Lions documentary, the Heart of a Lions okay. fan documentary that we watched yeah. the other day on the Twitch stream. And it was, I wish I, I wish I could have been there for the, the game that Barry broke 2000 yards, because the way that they talk about it for somebody just accomplishing a, a single season feat like that. I remember when Calvin Johnson did it and watching that last game against the Atlanta Falcons, when he, when he broke that record for receiving yards. And I just, I don't know. I think, I think the way that people talk about how, wild and rowdy that stadium was for Barry Sanders to accomplish that, especially with the way that he had to accomplish it because he only had what so many yards in the first half and the second half, he just went on a tear. So 
from the way that people speak about that that game, I, I think that that would be a really cool game to go to. Yeah. I mean, I thought about that answer, but you also have to sit through the Reggie Brown thing, too. I know. I know. That's, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's wild to, to deal with, like, the complete opposite ends of emotion in a single game like that. So in a way it's, it's a unique game that we probably won't ever see the likes of again, which I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you want to go see that? But like, it also, I'm just saying like, it comes with some tragedy as well. It does for sure. Hey, isn't that what being a lions fan is? (laughs) I think that's what that documentary is trying to prove. (laughs) Absolutely. Man, this is a tough question because like you said, there are a lot of really interesting moments that that documentary brought up. And I think, I think I might go back to Stafford's Browns game because that was a wild one. That was just a wild, wild game in general. Like to know, also I feel like to know what I know now and watch Stafford become like, just like show us a glimpse of what we know him as now. That would be really fun. My only other answer would be the fake spike game because I I was at the Browns game. I was not at the fake spike game. Um, so I feel like fake spike is a close second um, because I I wish I was there. I wish I was there when when Stafford jumped over the the, the Cowboys linebackers at the end. That would just I can't imagine Ford Field has ever gotten much louder than that. Yeah, other than the Javid best touchdown run, that was another moment that I was thinking about that Monday night game That's against the Bears. One. Yeah, because I mean, optimism is at a uh, probably a, a level that has not yet been seen since then. That's a really good answer too. I wasn't at that game either. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on from from games. Let's talk a little bit more about the roster here. Uh, NRS Double O One asked. Who are two players who will benefit from the game day roster being increased to 48? I like this question a lot because it's not something I think a lot of people are thinking about. Um, uh, there's a minimum of eight linemen. So will it be a guy like Wiggins or Abushi? Um, really good question. And, and I mean, it's a really hard question to answer to when you don't know what the 53 man roster looks like, but um, just something to think maybe a guy that would normally be a, a game day inactive now potentially being an act, an active guy because they have two more guys that are going to be active on game days and any thoughts? Cause one of them has to be an offensive line and that's why he threw it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of them has to be an offensive lineman, but how about I just tell everybody the thing that they want to hear because they're going to be all worked up over it. But Quintez Cephas, I think maybe benefits from mm, that okay. extra spot. I think you maybe have the potential for the lions to say, Hey, let's take a skill position player and have them fit a very specific and certain role. Can we justify him having this game day roster spot? And I think that, I think it might honestly come down to like whether or not it's Quintez Cephas or like Jason Huntley or Ty Johnson, like one of these guys who has to provide like, but that's the thing about Quintez Cephas is how much special teams is he going right. to play or what, right. what, 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 what type of, yeah. What type of impact he he's going to make in that, in that fashion. So I think with that being said, a guy like Quintez Cephas who has little special teams value, he benefits from an expanded roster because, you know, they can say, Hey, we need a big body receiver because we want to have these packages against their cornerbacks and he just fits the bill. So yeah, that, that's an interesting answer. Do you do you view him as 
wide receiver four or five right on this roster right now? Wide receiver five. Okay. Because so I like almost Marvin view, Hall. I, yeah, Marvin Hall. I also I just don't know if it's super important to figure out who's wide receiver four or wide receiver five because you have TJ Hawkinson on the team. Yeah. And like he's almost like pseudo wide receiver, whatever you want to make him. Yeah. I think my answer, and it's funny because I did a, a 53 man roster and he wasn't on it, but Miles Killebrew, I think, is is maybe a guy. Hmm. Um I think I think obviously he's a special teams guy. He doesn't have a ton of value. He doesn't fit what the lines want in a linebacker. Um, and he's not playing safety anymore. So um, it, it's all about special teams and, and the Lions gave him a contract that, that cost him, I think a million dollars to get out of if, if they want to just cut him. But if there's an opportunity for him to make the team, I think he's someone that values from having that extra roster spot on game day where they can just devote it to special teams. They don't, the, the roster spot isn't, quite as valuable now that they can put more guys out there on game day. So I think he's maybe a guy that benefits from that. Yeah. That's a good answer too. Um, all right. We're going to, before we go to break, we're going to, we're going to get emotional here. Our good friend Zeus for, I don't know if he's here in the chat right now, but he's a, he's a loyal Twitch follower. And on, on Twitter, he asked best mother's day present you've ever gotten for your mom. Um, Best Mother's Day present I've ever gotten for my mom. I've got an answer if you want to think about it. Um, I have an answer too. Go for it then. Don't say gift card, okay. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm an only child, so my answer is me. I'm the gift oh, that keeps on giving. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, maybe even worse. <laughs> wow. Uh, to offset that i'm actually gonna give a very heartfelt answer so let let me set the setting here uh i had just moved to california i had my big poofy college hair and uh it was mother's day it was first time i've had mother's day with my mother without my mother i think without spending it actually with her um and so when i was a kid there's this like home home video of of me and my sister singing back to the ussr um (laughs) just just like dancing and singing to it because my mom's a huge beatles fan so the first year i was out in california i i tried to recreate that video to my best on youtube and sent it to her oh that's a really good gift i and i just recently watched it i watched it today because i was just thinking about it and i can't it's so cringy (laughs) It's so cringy. I can't. <laughs> My hair is way out of control. It's it's me just like in this desolate apartment room that's not even decorated, just like dancing awkwardly. It was it was cute, but it was awkward, and I'd never want to see it again. And that's why it's unlisted, and you'll never find it. Good try. I know you guys were just thinking about, oh, I'm gonna go find it on YouTube. No, it's unlisted. You can't get it. You've already you've you you've said too much, Jeremy. Uh, you need the link. You won't be able to find it unless you just like throw in random numbers on a YouTube. And just until you find it. Andrew Cotto <laughs> says, yeah, Andrew Cotto says, uh, <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. When we come back, it's our final cluster of mailbag options. 
questions, I should say. Uh, stick, stay with us. We got questions about special teams. Who who doesn't want to talk about special teams? We got questions about Jeff Okuda and trash talk in the NFL. So stick around. We'll be right back with the Mailbag Podcast. And we are back with our mailbag podcast. It's our final segment of the, the POD cast. So savor it. This is the, the, the one last segment you're going to get until next week. I mean, it's not that long, but, you know, savor it anyways. Uh, let's, it. You know, let's jump into what everybody has been waiting to talk for. It's on everybody's mind. Lions punter news. Lions didn't draft a punter. They did get one. Aaron Spiros. Is that how you say his name? I think something like that. Um, so we got a question from, uh, is this the, is this, is it this year? Lions asks, do the lions have, I'm sorry that I'm messed. Scratch that. Uh, from Corn on Twitter asks, is the punter currently on the lions roster? Ryan is the lions punter going to be either Jack Foster or Aaron Sipos? Um, maybe <laughs> that's the kind of hard hitting <laughs> answer that we're looking for. <laughs> that's the kind of analysis that you're paying for that you're showing up to get, because <laughs> honestly, like, where's Hamza? Like, I don't know. How do you want me to answer this question? Like for such a long time, the lion's punter position was not a thing of worry or concern. Sam Martin was there and it yeah. just seemed like year after year. It's almost, it's almost kind of like the luxury of having, Matt Prater, right? Is that you don't have to worry about who your kicker is because you have Matt Prater. Right. Well, now that there, now that there isn't a punter, I don't know. It could be any of these guys. It could be a guy who's not on the roster. It could be a guy who's not even in the United States right now. I don't know. It could be, it could be literally anybody. Yeah. I think it's Jack Fox. I think the lines liked him. I think, okay. I think if, the, if they didn't like him, they would have drafted a guy. They had plenty of opportunities yeah. to draft a guy and, and listen, I know it, it'd be a fun story for this Aussie football guy to to come in and and, and win the job. And we all loved Kickalicious for a while too. But where did he end up going? Seriously, where did he end up going? I have no idea. I, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Jack Fox is their guy. They they liked what they saw in a, in a late workout last year. And if if they didn't draft a guy, I think they're fine with where they're at. And so Jack Fox, it's a boring answer, but I think it's the truth. Um, next special team questions back to, is this the year lions? He asks, will Huntley take over Agnew's punt return duties or strictly be a special teams and kickoff return specialist? Will Huntley see the field as trick play specialist? And will, uh, uh, let's just leave it at that. Will he, let, let's just talk about Huntley and his, his role. First off, I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee he makes a team, but if he does, is he the kick returner, punt returner and gadget play guy? Um, where, where do you see his role in his rookie year? I think if he makes the roster, I think he has to be all those things. He has to be more than just a kick return, punt return specialist, because if the lions want to do that, then why not just stick with Agnew? He's the proven commodity. Yeah. Why not stick with Agnew as the guy who has done it before and who has proven that he, 
that he can do it. So why take the risk on taking Huntley unless he provides you with some kind of value in another aspect on the roster? Is he the guy who maybe is the third down gadget guy? Is he the split back that you can maybe put in there with DeAndre Swift or carry on Johnson? Is he the guy who can maybe even play some, I don't know, some defensive special teams, whether or not it's like punt team or kick team or something like, can he provide that kind of, um, can he provide that kind of value? He just has to be able to do everything if he wants yeah. to make the roster. And that's, uh, I think, I think he's potentially able to, I mean, the, the coaches even threw around the idea of him being JD McKissick um, in the offense this year. And, and that'd be great. The biggest question for me is punt returns because he did kick returns in college. He didn't do a lot of punt returns and I think he'll be in the mix. I think it's something he, he needs to, to learn more, but he didn't do a lot of it in college. I'm looking, he, he literally didn't do it at all at New Mexico state once he didn't have one punt return. And so it's, it's different. It's not a ton different. I mean, the, you still value speed on a punt return, but there's a whole lot more to it than there. Like you have to know when to fair catch the, 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 the trajectory of the ball is completely different on a punt. It's a lot higher than a kick return. Um, you don't have the space to begin with like you do in a kick return. So it's different. And I don't know if it's something he's, capable of doing. And this is why even, and, and I've been guilty of this a little bit. I think the talk of Jamal Agnew being off the roster completely is a bit premature because this team still needs to punt return. If, cause mm. I, I don't know if Jason Huntley can do it. I don't, I, I don't think there's a lot of evidence and I don't think you necessarily want to go out there week one and put him out there. First punt return he's done in years. That that's dangerous. We've seen, we've seen some uh, inexperienced guys come in. I mean, we've seen what the lines have had to do with Jamal Agnew injured sometimes and it's been not catastrophic, but bad. Um, and so, so who, who takes over punt? Do you, do you give it to Danny Amendola, a guy who we know can catch the ball, but not do much beyond that? I mean, that it, you have to also remember that last year, they kind of split duties, right? Like in instances, they knew there weren't going to be a lot of returns or a lot of room for return. They, they put Amendola back there because he was, they, he was the sure hand. So we, we, we saw Jamal Agnew, have a couple of those fumbles earlier in the season. Um, but if there was right. room to return, they had Agnew back there. So, I mean, now you're, you're limiting Agnew's role even more. And so, uh, you know, there, there is credence to, to why people think he might be off the roster, but the lions need a weapon back there. And I'm not sure they have one, even, even with Jason Huntley. Hey, if you wanted some hard hitting special teams analysis, I think we just had you covered. I, and I hate special teams. That's the most I'll ever talk about it ever consecutively. So let's, let's do a palate cleanser here from single digit. He asks, what's your favorite frozen pizza? Well, I actually had a frozen pizza today because I went on a really long bike ride. Not a big deal. Oh. You can check them on Twitter. Dang, like you did research miles. for the podcast. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I decided I would treat myself to a little frozen pizza, but simple truth Kroger brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're uncu- uncured pepperoni pizza. Okay. Simple. Pretty good. I mean, it, it's simple, it's simple truth, but it is like cheap. It's like five ninety nine, which I think is like the going rate for a frozen healthy or alternative to a pizza. But, um, I know that you don't like thin crust and it's very thin crust. So, well, I mean, I feel like thin crust is is more of an option when you're going frozen pizza because, I mean, 
the level of, of quality better. pizza you're going to get is not is not the ceiling is low so that levels the, the playing field a little bit and i do think it tends to to lend itself a little bit better to just like traditional oven roasting pizza type of thing now uh-huh. my answer is going to show my liberal soy boy self a little bit here soy boy <laughs> The Trader Joe's wild mushroom and black truffle flatbread pizza is legit. And those who know, know, I'm going to show a picture of it on stream. That is legit. Go and get that right now if you can. If you're not a cook, if you're living in these quarantine days and you're like, let me just load up my freezer with a bunch of food just in case, get that. It's, It's legit. It's very good. Yummy. Uh, all right, let's go back to some Lions questions here. Um, DP Victory has some questions about Jeff Okuda. He, he says, while he has all the intangibles, I feel like his production is somewhat smoke and mirrors. If he played in the SEC, he may only be viewed as a second or third round talent. The wide receiver twos on most NFL teams is quite a step up from the wide receiver ones in the Big Ten, and QBs are way better. You won't have Chase Young in that defensive line as a security blanket if he gets beat off the snap. Please tell me why I'm wrong. Are we supposed to tell him why he's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was more of a demand than a question. Yeah. I, he, here's, here's the thing with Okuda is that I think that over the course of the season playing in the big 10, which I mean, I don't want to, I don't want people to get too caught up in this idea that like, there's such a big drop off in talent from the sec to the big 10. And like Jeff Okuda just went out there and absolutely dominated that that conference. And I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can poo poo on that at all whatsoever. We've seen, we've seen big time cornerbacks come out of the big 10 recently, like Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, there's another guy from Ohio state that I mean, is a, is probably one of the top cornerbacks in the league. So just because he played in the big 10, I just, I don't, I don't like this whole conference bias and the fact that if you don't play in the sec, then you aren't shit. Like right. that, that I don't buy into at all. Right. Like and Jeff Okuda went out there and dominated the big 10. Yeah. And I mean, like against one of the best the, receivers in the draft too, Quintus Cephas. So. Oh yeah. Great point. <laughs> um, but the other thing too, is like, I, I think that a lot of people get caught up in the stats too, right? They get caught up in the idea that like, just because he didn't get as many interceptions means that he's not as good of a cornerback. Like, come on, we can't keep debunking this and we can't keep talking about how like it, it's about targets. It's about passes broken up. It's about, it's about how the catches are being caught and where they're being caught at. And, you know, if he's playing off man coverage on a third and 10 play and gives up a slant catch for four yards, was that a good play or a bad play? I mean, it got the, it got the other team off the field. So, I mean, just the, the number cut on the tape. And that's the thing that Jeff Okuda most famously said at the combine, you go back and take a look at the tape. Right. And I think a lot of it also do when you're looking at a prospect, you're not just looking at production. You're not, even when you're looking at the tape, you're not just looking for broken up passes. You're looking at technique. You're looking at their mm-hmm. footwork. You're looking at their, their athletic profile. And all of those things fit exactly what the Lions want to do. He's, he's fast. He's physical. He can tackle. Um, he, he just, he has all the necessary traits to be an elite guy. And maybe, maybe the, the, you know, the production and, and the fact that he shut down the entire big 10 helped raise his draft stock. But I think we're, we're not talking a second 
third round talent in terms of everything else in terms of his footwork yeah in terms of his hip, his hips and his speed and all that he's still already a first round talent to that now you throw it on top that he shut down basically every wide receiver in the big 10 that's all that's that's sugar on the top that's 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 cherry on the top whatever you want to say um but you know he he also played in big games too with against he went to the playoffs twice and and played Clemson once and kind of had an up and down game, but still pretty good. I I think a lot of people point to that Clemson game and they, he he gave up the game winning touchdown on on a scramble play. But you know his coverage was good for the first half of that play. But when you have a scramble play, like suddenly it's not really your fault. You're playing old school ball there where you, it's hard to track a guy and, and stay with a guy for for a long term. Listen, I I think Jeff Okud has all the skills he needs to be uh, a, a good lines shutdown corner. I, I think he eventually does it. And, and like you said, like you, you mentioned Marshawn Lattimore, there's also Denzel Ward. Like Ohio mm-hmm. state has a pretty good pedigree of creating some really good corners as of late. And there's nothing, nothing to sway that should sway anyone's opinion that Jeff Okuda is going to be any different because he was more productive than those other guys. He has better technique than those other guys that, that have produced immediately. And he's, I think he's going into one of the best fits he could have gone into. So I'm very high on Jeff Okuda. And I think, I think the people that are worried about him are, are just kind of, listen, it's you're a Lions fan. I expect you to worry. Your baseline should be concerned. Um, but I think with Jeff Okuda, those concerns are, are a little misguided. Yeah. 100%. All right. Uh, Billy Sims made me do it. has a question about trash talk. This actually came in from last week, but we never got to it. He, uh, he wonders if athletes can go too far with trash talk and then also asks, uh, do you, do you think trash talk should be part of the game? Do you respect it? Um, it's kind of a long post. I'm trying to pull the, the most questions part, uh, about it. And, um, you know, he talks about sometimes taunts from, from fans get out of line. They cross the line. Do you, do you think they cross the line in the NFL? Are you okay with it crossing the line in the NFL because it's two competitors rather than, uh, a, a viewer, do you think that happens in the NFL? Um, because certainly there are things that are mic'd up that, that we never get to see, right? Yeah, I think as just somebody who grew up listening to rap music, like I don't think that there's any like limits on trash talk. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you okay with that? Um yeah, I, I don't I don't think that I'm okay with it, but it I think it's just kind of like a reality of like the competitive spirit of football. Now, like, I think that there's, I think, I think that there's crossing a line. Like when you start to include like family members in like a really context matters as with all things, that's going to be my answer. So like context matters with all things. Like if it's in poor taste, it's in poor taste. Like it's one of those things that you can't really define until it's put in front of you. Like, is this like, is this okay? Or is this crossing a line? Like, I think like in Billy Sims in Billy Sims made me do it like in his question, like he, like whether or not it gets into talking about like sexual orientation or like racist things, like obviously all that stuff. Yeah. That should all be off the table. I mean, that that's not even, it's not even clever. Like I, I value like clever trash talk. Like I, I think like one of my favorite and it's not, not necessarily football trash talk. Although I will say that my favorite football trash talk is just, um, who who's the who's the quarterback that would always get hit? Oh, it was Andrew Luck, and he would always just tell him, "Oh, great hit, man!" 
great hit. Like, nice job. Like, that, that has to be so maddening, especially, like, if he gets a pass off and it goes for a first down and, like, your tackle yeah. is all kind of for not. And if you have a guy that's just like, oh, man, great hit, man. Nice job. Way to go. Like, that's it's just, just like... It's kind of like like waving with a smile on your face at someone who's like giving you the finger in traffic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like um I, I think I think that's like my kind of trash shock. Or I'm gonna say my favorite trash shocker is Larry Bird of all time because Larry Bird yeah. would tell you where where he was gonna dot you on the court and when he was gonna do it. Yeah. And like so that's that's some of my favorite trash shock. Like when you keep it confined to the actual sport. Yeah. I and I, I'm with you, like trash talk on the field is, is something of a like we, we've seen it cross lines before in other sports and get get picked up by mics. And we've we've seen a fallout from that. And I I don't know. I can't speak to to what it's like there on the NFL. I'm not on the sidelines. So um, I don't know exactly what goes on. I do think, like you said, any sort of slurs are should be out of the question. I don't know if they are. I don't know if they aren't. You know, we even with the Miles Garrett thing. Um, there was there was rumors that, that that was thrown out. And so, yeah, that's that's 100 percent crossing the line. I don't mind players that do it. I think mental games are part of the game. And so if you're doing it, you're, you're trying to get a competitive advantage. You're trying to to throw the opponent off and get him pissed off or get him thinking about something that isn't the snap counter, isn't their technique. Um, and so, yeah, it's part of the game and I'm totally fine. And as long as you're not being like. Way over the line with slurs, you're fine now with fans first of all i don't think you're doing much in let like i don't think players can hear you that much um only and the only times they do is when you're crossing a line and so don't cross the line i don't yeah i don't waste my time with trying to trash talk players i think it's it's a bit childish i, I understand you're trying to also get a competitive advantage for your team and throw that guy off um but but these are professional athletes and i don't think most of them are, are are going to respond. Yeah, I will say that one of my favorite fan versus athlete trash talk moments is always in hockey games when the opposing team is chanting the opposing goalie's name. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I don't think that that ever works, but it's just a lot of fun to do. It is. Well, for, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and the best fan trolling of all time happens at the penalty box in Vancouver's uh, uh, arena. Like that, the green men behind Vancouver. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. That I'm, that's just, that's just fun. That's just fun. I don't think it affects, like you'll see players go in the box and and smile. And that that's just, that's just wholesome fun right there. Those guys are legends. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Without a doubt. All right. Question from critical perspective. Now I'm going to put limits on this one because your answer is way too obvious in this one. Okay. Which one football character, fictional football character would you put on Uh, the 2020 lions team to best increase their chances? You get no Willie Beeman. Willie Beeman is not an option. That's that's true. So I have to go Bobby Boucher. There's no reason why Bobby Boucher should not improve the Lions linebacking corpse. He's like with his pads on, he has to at least be 250. And I don't know his his wingspan, his arm length doesn't really matter that much to me because he doesn't have to set the edge. He just has to be a terror on defense. So I'm just going to go Bobby Boucher. Um, can I say Rick Moranis from Little Giants? 
This team needs a coaching upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> if he can get that team to a win, imagine what he can do at the professional level. Imagine what he could do. God, that was such a great answer. <laughs> All right. I think we got time for a couple more while we're on coaching. Kahuna 70 asks, if the Lions go 5-11, and 11, do the Lions go... Okay, well, I guess this is beyond coaching. Do the Lions go with a new quarterback as well as a new coach and GM? I don't, I don't think they go with all of those things. I think Matthew Stafford's still the guy. I don't... If this team moves on from Matthew Stafford, I think I move on from this team. Does <laughs> so that mean you move on from this podcast, too? No. No, because <laughs> I love this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I think it's a fair question. I really do. I think it's, I think it's a fair question too, but that's just a lot of change. Like that's, 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 that's overhauling that we haven't seen in how long over a decade. Yeah. I mean, since Stafford came in probably, but I mean, the question arises like at that point, you're able to get out of his contract on unreasonable terms. He's 33 years old. You're, I mean, you're blowing everything up again. If If you're getting a new coach and a new GM, you're blowing everything up, whether you're getting a new quarterback or not, you're blowing things up. And when you get, when those new guys come into town, they're probably going to like Stafford a lot. They're probably going to be like, you're a really talented guy, but you probably got four or five years left at at best. And so it's, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. 2021 is the year where the lines blow up and Stafford era ends. I don't want it to be. I think the question that you ask if five and 11 is enough to blow everything up. I think context context matters. If Matthew Stafford plays all 16 games and plays at a pro bowl level, that changes things. Although I I have a hard time believing that Stafford plays at a pro bowl level and the lines go five and 11, but you know, with the defense that they had last year, who knows? Uh, But yeah, I, I think it's in the realm of possibility. It's not something that I'm really eager to talk about because Matthew Stafford's here. He's playing at a really high level right now. And he should be the team's future for at least the next five, six years. But if they're starting over, it's something they have to consider. No question. They have to consider it. I don't want to live in that world. So I'm just going to ignore it. It doesn't exist. That was a dumb hypothetical. I don't like it. (laughs) We're moving on. All right. Last question. All right. There's, there's two questions and they're, they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Do you want a football question or not football question first? We're going to answer them both. Ugh, football question first. All right. Why not the Lions asks, regardless of your fit- physical attributes right now, out of the 22 positions, what would you play if you could have the perfect body type for that position? Left guard. <laughs> Just because the Lions need one? Just because I want to be, be 300 like, pounds. I want to be big Q. I want to be Quentin Nelson. I want to be like my hero. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> here's the thing. I'm not sure if the question is asking like what kind of body type do you want? Or like, what is your ideal position? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is supposed to make me want a different body and and not be myself. (laughs) Right. Or what? Like I want to be a nose tackle and be a 330 pound dude. Uh, I mean, if the question is just what position do I want? It's probably a kicker because I have the best ability of to be, have like a nice life after football. Oh yeah, my body isn't mangled, uh, or maybe long, long snapper, long snapper. I know that's not out of the twenty-two positions you were talking about, but I want to be a long snapper. I want to be a white backup quarterback. 
<laughs> you want to be Chase Daniel. I, I want. Yes, that's <laughs> what. A, what a career. <laughs> All right. Final question also comes from Why Not the Lions. For breakfast, do you prefer pancakes, French toast, or waffles? Oh, French toast. I had to answer it quickly because if I thought about it for too long, I would just run circles in my head. But French toast is the answer. French toast is incredible. You landed on the right answer. I've been making these French toast sandwiches lately. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great. It's the answer. Any anyone else who answers is wrong. 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 (laughs) Are we just gonna (laughs) come wrong? Uh all right. Hey, real quick. R.I.P. Jerry Stiller. Dude, that's I'm like on the podcast one. with a quote. <laughs> oh, look at that. See, you know what? Serenity yep. now. I, that was it. I was going to say, you know what? Thanks for joining us, everybody. Serenity now. Serenity <laughs> now.